My name is David Chavez. And I have the privilege to be serving here in Citywide as one of the pastors. And indeed, it's been an amazing and awesome honor to be up here, to be able to bring the word today. So we're going to start off this um, sermon series called Songs of the Season. How many are ready for this season? Amen. Amen. Some of you are like thinking about that sermon series right before that pastor gave us about stewardship. And you're like, "Mm, wait a minute, let's keep the credit cards in the pocket. Right? Let's not do so much spending. Let's do it all cash. Right? So we got to apply the word. We just not got to hear it, but we got to be doers of the word, right? So, you know, we're saying amen, but with a little bit of hesitation. We don't want to go all out yet, right? Today, I want to talk to you about have you forgotten your song? And we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 1, 46 to 55. We'll read it in a second. Do you remember your song? Let's pray. Father, we we just thank you. We honor you. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, speak life into our hearts, into those areas, Lord, that may be still dark, in those areas that may still be hurting, in those areas that are still probably bleeding. Lord, I ask you to bring healing today. I ask you, Father God, to speak life into our hearts, those who have come in despaired, hopeless, maybe at the brink of chaos in their own spiritual, emotional lives. I ask you, Lord, to bring restoration in the name of Jesus. Speak, Father, into our lives, and let us apply this word so as we walk out of this place, we also speak the truth to others not just for ourselves. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I love the Christmas season, not just the music, not just the gifts, not just the decoration, because my, lo- my wife loves to go all out with decorations. But it's also the season of my wedding anniversary. So my wife, in all her wisdom, said, we are going to plan our wedding right before Christmas, <laughs> December 23rd. So she knew I was a teacher, and we were like, we will always forever have a week off for our anniversary. It's just a great plan. We went on honeymoon right after we got married. So it was just beautiful planning, right? And inside, I also said, I will never, ever, ever forget my anniversary date, (laughs) December 23rd. And this December 23rd, and I'm getting this right because last year I got it wrong, 17 years of marriage. I know how she did it. I do not know. But forgetfulness, however, has not eluded me as a husband. Maybe this is only for me, guys. I don't know about the husbands out there. But, but um, as marriage has gone on, the years of marriage has progressed Um, Sometimes, I have to say, I forget what my wife says. Sometimes. Okay, I'm being honest. I'm being transparent, right? Sometimes she says that I'm not a good listener. I don't know where she gets that from. I'm a great listener, right? 
This is far from the truth, right? right? Sometimes she picks these moments that I'm just not listening at that very moment. It may be when I'm about to go to sleep. Hun, we have to have a serious conversation. I'm like, what? Or maybe when I'm really, don't talk to me when I'm hungry because I need to eat, right? Or better yet, when I'm watching the World Cup, I don't know who's watching the World Cup, but we got a couple of woos. <laughs> but sometimes I have forgotten things. I have to be honest. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I do forget at times. And this particular moment, I was not paying attention. I remember a couple of weeks ago, so we both commute to work. I drop her off at her job. We're both teachers. And we're five minutes away from each other, thank God. And we go, and I take her to work, and there's a whole routine. She's the bag lady. She's the teacher with the most bags. <laughs> I don't know how she does it, but she grabs 10, 15 bags out of the car, and she magically makes her way into that door. I do not know where she gets the strength to do it, but she is ultra prepared. She makes me look like, oh, you're not teaching. She's definitely teaching. <laughs> And she grabs her mugs because you have no time in the school building to go out and buy yourself lunch. So make sure you prepare with all the mugs, all the coffee, all the water, all the lunch bag, all the snacks. Because once you get into that building, it is on. So this time, as I dropped her off, I passed her all the bags. But yet I forgot one thing. I was making sure, check, mugs, shake, coffee, water, everything. She had her three, four bags with her. She walked out the door. All right, honey, I love you. I'll see, I'll see you later. I'll pick you up later. As I drive off and I'm getting to the school building, I look back and I see two lunch bags. I'm like, uh-oh, that's not good. Now, mind you, I'm a good listener, right? I don't forget. This is the fifth time this has happened, just letting you know. <laughs> So I immediately run into, like, husband saving the day mode. And I'm like, hon, I know that your lunch is in the bag. I'm so sorry. I forgot. I am going to get it to you. I have a break. I'm going to plan it. And I have five minutes. I'll go grab it, and then I can come back into the building. And that's what I do. She was like, okay, hon, no worries. So I go, I drive, I, I, it's around 11-ish. I'm like, all right, this is my break. I'm ready to go. I grab the bag. And I take it to her, and she sees me outside, I give her a kiss. I say, yes, I got like thousand husband points right now, cha-ching. <laughs> and, and, and I go off. And I'm thinking about my lunch, because it's already lunchtime, and I'm like, I'm gonna heat up a nice soup. So I'm Ecuadorian, and soup is like the top thing. And it needs to be piping hot. It could be 90 degrees outside, but you better give me that soup nice and hot. Okay? And it was like that chicken soup my wife had made. And I was like, oh, I'm going to eat chicken soup today. It was just like my comfort zone in the middle of the day after teaching. And I get a text, hun, you gave me the wrong lunch bag. I got a bowl of soup. <sighs> See, I, I had so I had been so conscious about making sure that I saved the day, making sure that it was kind of about me, even though I was wanting to serve her and make sure I brought her her lunch. But I was like, yes, 
I did something good today. I didn't take the time out. I didn't take a time to pause. I was so much on the run. I didn't even pause in the morning. I didn't pause in the afternoon. I was always, I was thinking about how I was going to get this accomplished. How many times are we on the run? That we begin to forget the most important things is being alone with God. How many times have we forgotten and we're in the middle of a crisis and then we're like, oh God, help me. I'm in despair. I'm hopeless. But yet the other days that everything was fine and you had the time and you had the opportunity to come to church or the opportunity to set aside some time in the quiet, alone time in his presence, you didn't do it. I was in the rush of completing my task, hyper-focused on what I wanted to accomplish. But yet I have forgot and I made the trip in vain. We, so, we get distracted by life. We get overwhelmed in our daily routines that we miss the small things. We miss the divine appointments that God has for us. We miss his voice. We are so deep into our mess that we forget that God has never left our side. Our society has constantly tried to solve the problem of forgetfulness. I remember the days of watching TV with my grandmother, Univision, Telemundo, right? And out came the commercial, you, you need to have this pill. This pill is going to bring back your memory. Just have a little bit of shark cartilage. Cartículo de tiburón. And that magically was going to bring back your memory. I don't know. I, I think my grandma bought a couple of bottles. Her memory was great. But she wanted to make sure that she was on point all the time, even though she was 94. Tons of studies have been done about forgetfulness and loss of memory, and some leading factors are stress. How many have forgotten things because of stress? Depression, lack of sleep, and then there's other medical conditions that are out there as well. However, one aspect that I think medical science neglects to address is spiritual forgetfulness. Spiritual amnesia, I call it. We, including myself, often suffer spiritual amnesia specifically when we're in the midst of a storm. It happened to the disciples in the boat. You remember the story when they ran up to wake up Jesus? Jesus, wake up! We're in the middle, we're gonna drown! And Jesus is like, what? Don't you remember? Matthew chapter 6 is a whole chapter devoted to telling the disciples, do not worry. Don't forget about my promises. We go back in time and remember the people of Israel who grumbled and murmured because they were in the desert instead of Egypt. We see the people of Israel pleading with God to have a king. They felt forgotten. They felt abandoned. God provided them with a king, and they still felt forgotten. See, the further we are from God's will, the further we are from his presence. It becomes easier to forget his promises. The more we occupy our mind and, our, and busy our lives, the harder it is to remember. Just like in my lunch story with my wife, right? If I had taken a pause, if I had taken a moment to think, I would not have forgotten that lunch bag twice. My trip would have been easier and the task would have been lighter too often we take trips in vain in life 
And God is showing us the pathway. God is telling our spirit, what's the direction? But we forget to consult him. We're too busy in a hurry. We want the solution yesterday. And God is telling us, slow down and remember. Too often we practice bad theology. We we read verses and claim them as promises, but we forget to do the hard work that comes along with these promises. We declare, draw near to God and he will draw near to you, James 4, 8. What we neglect to mention is a little bit before and a little bit after that text. Submit yourselves. (laughs) Then to God, right? Then resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Then verse 8 comes, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So you must submit first, you must resist the devil, and then the drawing near will happen. See, and after, there's another part, cleanse your hands, your sinners, you are sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Pah! That's a cantazo. Right? A spiritual cantazo. Some of us want to have exclusive access to God without submission. Oftentimes we want to hear from God's voice, but we're weak to resist the devil. We want to come before God asking for answers, but yet our hands remain dirty, full of yesterday's sins. We walk double-minded, shifting and changing our perspective. We are in and out, forgetting God's promises for our lives. Spiritual amnesia has plagued us all at some point. We forget what he has done and what he will do for us. Let me give you some examples of spiritual amnesia. People who walk around with that. This is for your neighbor. This is not for you, so don't worry. We grow bitter and cold towards God. We isolate ourselves. We withdraw. Oh, I don't want to go to church. Oh, I don't want to pray. Uh, it's easier to me to uh, leave me alone. I'm in my I'm in my space. The root issue here is that we think God has abandoned us. We grow angry at God and others. We're constantly moody. Nothing satisfies our soul. We're constantly looking for the next quick fix in order to cover up our anger. Relationships are hard to sustain because we are constantly fighting and making up conflicts where there are none. We fight over insignificant issues, and we blow up at the smallest of things. This is a heart check moment. Are you blowing up at insignificant things? Are you arguing about the stupidest things in your house? Is your wife just annoying you all the time? I'm sorry, it's not your wife. You probably have to check your heart. <laughs> I can say vice versa too, so I'm, you know, I'm gonna. <laughs> we turn to our own solutions. We forget that God is in control, and we want to be in control. And us Christians that have been in, a, in, in church for a while, we do this Christianese talk. We start praying, I decree and I declare. <laughs> and we get real spiritual about doing it. We close our eyes real tight because that's going to usher in God's presence even more, right? <laughs> we lift up our hands because we got to. We raise our voice just a little bit more. We enunciate just a little bit harder because the devil is deaf. <laughs> right? 
We try to convince that ourselves that this is God's will. Meanwhile, we haven't spent one minute listening to his voice. At some point in our lives, we, we have all too been busy, lacked time to, to vote our relationship with God, drawn cold and far away from God's presence. The good news is that God knows that we're going to forget. So he gives us constant reminders. There's a book full of reminders. You all know the name? The Bible. Yeah, some of you whispered it. You can be sure. There's a book called With Reminders. It's okay. See, we, we neglect to read it and forget all the promises of the past. This draws me near to the text that we're going to use today, Mary's song, the Magnificat. What better way to remind people of God's plan than through song? It has been scientifically proven that the effect of music and how it helps us to remember. I worked over the summer with a couple of students um, who were nonverbal autistic students. They did not speak not one word. And I was like, how am I going to teach them music? How am I going to teach them song? How am I going to teach them rhythm? If they are, it's difficult for them even to say their name. I was consistent. I was constant. And every day we sang the same song for five weeks. Week five, my students were singing the song. And there was one student that was, he, he did not even make a sound, but he had a tablet. He took out his tablet and he says, Mr. David, hello song, hello song. See, there's a power in praise. There's a power in worship. After the repetition and consistency, because sometimes God has to consistently knock us out sometimes and remind us that his promises are there. See, God uses Mary's song to remind his people a promise that was given from the very beginning of time. And I strongly believe that he uses Mary's song to trigger in the people of Israel the memories of worship, the imagery of what once was in the courts of the temple of David and Solomon. See, David was a worshiper. David was a musician. David knew the spiritual impact and significance of worship. David experienced firsthand freedom from demonic attacks through worship. Under David's leadership, full-time musicians, Levites, were appointed to temple worship. David knew the importance of creating a culture of excellence in worship. David's expectation was that worship would be on fire every single time. This means that they didn't show up late for rehearsals. This means that they were prepared to practice and did not arrive unprepared. Thank God we don't have musicians like that in Citywide. Praise the Lord. They are on time and ready on fire every single Sunday and every single rehearsal. Praise the Lord. I'm not talking to that worship team. I'm talking to another worship team out there. Don't know who it is, right? See, David danced before God's presence. He wrote the greatest hymn book called the Psalms. Under King David's leadership, we see worship reform happen in Israel. Standards are in place to assure that only the best 
worship was heard in the temple. This required training and time, consistency and rehearsal. It wasn't just an hour of practice. These are hours and hours and lives dedicated to music. From the royal lineage of King David comes who? Mary. She knows it's in her bloodline. She bursts forth onto the scene with a song to be heard throughout the entire world for generations to come. Her song, a song that breaks chains, that breaks through spiritual and physical barriers. One that serves as a reminder that he has a plan and is taking place. Mary's song comes at a time when the people of Israel needed to hear it. They needed to be reassured, needed to be reminded because they had forgotten For over 400 years, the people of Israel stood in the darkness, stood without a song, stood without a word from God, without a prophet, without any signs and wonders. Have you been there, church? Where everything is silent, where everything is quiet, where God does not speak, where you do not hear one word. There, where no angels were bringing messages, kings were corrupt, and Israel was seeing the worst of its history. Sometimes, folks, we got to pass through the periods of darkness. Sometimes we have to go through moments in our times where there is no solution, where we think that there is no solution present. But here, God meets us with a song, a song to remind us, a song that doesn't let us forget about his promises, a song that refreshes our soul, a song that changes our lives. Church, it's time to sing that song. It's time to lift up that praise, just like Mary did. Let me read for you the Magnificat. Luke chapter 4, verse 46. And I want you to think, have you forgotten your song? Have you forgotten your song? Have you forgotten the promises that God has given you? And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. How many times has God done great things for you? Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Now, can you imagine Mary singing this song? This leads me to my point, and I'm going to give you my three points really quickly. Number one. The dark days of our lives produces the most powerful of praise. The dark days of our lives produces the most powerful of praise. Despair was filling the air. Lost hope and dreams permeated the air of Israel. But now this song has been replaced with a new one. Have you lost your hope and dreams? Has depression and hopelessness filled your heart? For a season of my life, it did. For many years, 
and I thought I was not called to serve. Why would I pastor? Why would I preach? Why would I study the word? And I questioned myself, and I questioned my calling. But God has a way to bring that song and remind us of his promises. Isn't he good? <laughs> and I thought about all those moments that I doubted, all those moments that I had that negative self-talk as I stood on the altar at the Klein and pastor dropped but a couple of drops of oil on my head. <laughs> and my heart leapt and, and wept but there was joy at the same time because I realized that God was bringing back that song. <laughs> he was reminding me. See, God never leaves us. He sees us through it. He walks with us. He hasn't abandoned you. He hasn't left you. He hasn't left you hopeless. He hasn't left you in despair. He's right with you. And he reminds us. He keeps reminding us through his word, through song. It's so amazing how he does those things. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Point number two, God uses worship to remind us of a redemptive story. Verse 50 says, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. Mary reminds us that he has extended his mercy upon us, that God has seen it fit to pour over us his spirit, that spirit that changes hearts, that, ch that spirit that will change humanity, that will bring transformation. Mary, a young girl, probably around 13 to 14 years old, had such a deep connection with God. She was paying attention to that Bridge 58 class. She was memorizing those verses. She was taking that text to heart. And so we see that in Mary the Magnificat song. We see that as she quotes scripture and she reminds the old folks. She reminds the new folks. She reminds all the people, hey, he's coming. He's doing something new in me. I'm going to rejoice in him. My soul glorifies the Lord. Mary was singing scripture. I don't know anyone who's told me, oh, I really regret memorizing some word. <laughs> I shouldn't I have memorized all those scriptures. It didn't really help me. This is, this is what was happening. Now, now the story is changing. Now the spiritual amnesia is like, wake up, people. Wake up, Israel. The, the time has come. 400 years is over. Now redemption has come to our people. See? Don't, don't allow the devil to rob your lineage. Don't allow the devil to steal your inheritance. That's what Mary was reminding them. You have a spiritual inheritance in the Father. There is something, there is a promise for you. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Don't allow the devil to steal that from you. Don't allow Satan to steal your spiritual inheritance, to steal your blessings because you have forgotten, because you have been fearfully and wonderfully made. Don't allow others to rob you of your identity in Christ to change you. Yes. The world wants to change us, church. They want to change who you are. You need to stand firm and say, this is how God made me. Yes. Don't allow temptations to blind you from the path that God has already traced out for you. Many, for many, many years, I thought I was worthless. 
As a small kid, I was always chunky. Love to eat. <laughs> but all of you been in school, you know the chunky kids, we get picked on. I got bullied a lot because I like to eat. And instead of not eating or doing something about it, I ate more. Because it was just good. I wanted to eat more. It was, give me the rice, give me the beans, give me the steak. Come on. Right? Give me the pernil, the, all that good stuff. The, the fried fish. I mean. But my worthiness was sinking lower and lower and lower. And I remember in my graduation for elementary school, and I was picked as valedictorian of the school. I was asked to give a speech. I sang so low because I was so shy and felt so unworthy of speaking that I did not want to speak. I actually hid from the principal and did not give my speech. She called me and she said, David, you're going to speak, but next year. I'm like, what? I thought I I I got him free, clear. No one called me to speak. But my unworthiness, my own negative self-talk was eating away at me. Don't allow the devil to steal that lineage from you. Don't allow him to come in and say, you're not worthy, you're not worth it, you can't do it. Don't allow him, rebuke him in the name of Jesus. It says, resist the devil and draw near to him because he will draw near to you. Point number three, and I'm finishing with this. Your praise is a weapon. <laughs> Y'all remember this from 10 days, right? I just came to, I was like, what? God, really? Okay. Matry's song was a weapon. It was a cry, a signal of completion of God's redemptive plan for all humanity, a song that will bring freedom to the captive, healing to the sick, and restoration to the poor, a chant that we said so many times in 10 days. Thank you, Pastor Dexter. And the praise team that kept on chanting, my praise is a weapon, my praise is a weapon, my praise is a weapon, my praise is a weapon. I left saying, my praise is a weapon. A song, a form of worship that which the angels cannot replicate, that comes from the deepest part of our soul, your praise is a weapon. Mary's song was created from thousands of years of the past, a song that came bursting forth to save the entire world, a song that made the very pits of hell shake and tremble. Your praise is a weapon. See, see, when you know the power of worship, you shake the very principalities and strongholds that have been holding you back for generations and generations. Your praise is a weapon. Your song is a reminder, not just you, but for the generations to come. Your praise is a weapon. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with your righteous right hand. Your praise is a weapon. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Your praise is a weapon. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on eagles like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Your praise is a weapon. 
He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful. Mary finishes with this, to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Don't forget your praise is a weapon. Have you forgotten your song? Have you forgotten your song? Have you forgotten your song? Have you let life, circumstances, dull you, harden your heart? See that word about the soil, that was on point. Have you let all these factors steal your song? Allow you to forget? Well, I'm reminding you today. Your praise is a weapon. Will you stand with me? Right there where you're at. If you felt like it's dulled in you, like your heart has been hardened, like something has been stolen from you, today is the day to remind you of your redemptive story, to remind you of your royal lineage, to remind you of the inheritance that God has placed in your hands, to remind you that you are worthy, that you are worth it, that he died on the cross for you, that he has a plan for you, that you are worth it, that you are not garbage. Tell him today, close your eyes. Just lift up your hands to his presence. If you're that person, Holy Spirit, come. (laughs) Holy Spirit, come. I feel like he's... He's been moving hearts. He's been speaking into certain people here. who've lost their song, who no longer can even sing, who stopped singing. And I'm not just talking about the vocals. I'm talking about the spiritual song that God has placed in your heart. It's limited you. you. I can't. No, no, no. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't do that. Today it ends in the name of Jesus. Today it ends in the name of Jesus. So really quickly, I want the the prayer team to come to the front. And you felt like, like the enemy has stolen your praise. You felt like life and circumstances have happened and it's, it's robbed you from your song. Today is the day to restore that song. Today is the day that God is restoring that praise in you. And I want you to make your way forward. Don't waste any time. We don't have any time to waste.
will you help me pray for those who have come forward? Will you extend your hands over to the front? Holy Spirit, come. We know that you can do the transformation. We know that you can do the work. And even those who have not come forward and those who are online right now, church, will you help me pray for those who are online? Who have lost their worship, who have lost their praise, who have life has hit them really hard, circumstances are out of their control, and they've lost their praise. Lord, just meet them where they're at. Holy Spirit, come. Pour your healing oil over them right now. Speak life into their hearts, into their spirits. Restore, renew, change, and transform. The only thing, only way that you can do it, Father, not our way, but your way. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Just move in this place, Lord.